0: Good morning, it's eight about 8.15 Pacific time, Tuesday, August 24th, Biden doing his thing, Kamala doing her thing, the Democrats doing their thing, Nancy Pelosi tricking the rules out in the House, getting you that stimulus, or what are they calling it now, infrastructure bill, $3.5 trillion, I don't know how the hell we're ever going to pay for any of this stuff, about 12-13% of it is actual infrastructure. The rest is just one big giant fucking handout, right? Something for the folk, buying votes. And you know she right now is going to leverage anything she can do behind the scenes, get these things through and force the Senate's hand while she has Afghan giving Afghanistan giving her some cover, right? I mean, that's an awkward mess for the ultra-political hypocrite that she is hosting big parties in Napa, no masks. She's getting hammered for that one, that big fundraiser last weekend. But she's getting it through, right? She's passing that uh, that infrastructure bill through the House, and we're all going to be paying for it, right? Us taxpayers. John and Jane Q, Working American. Thanks, Nancy. Thanks to the folks that voted for Joe Biden because they didn't want mean tweets, you tools. Uh, that That's what we have right now, right? We have a guy that said, don't worry, I'll be nice. That's what he tweeted, I think it was last August. August of 2020, he came out and said, you don't have to worry about my tweets, Fuck you, I have to worry about you ending the planet as I know it, right? You are a senile old man at the helm of the greatest superpower in the history of the world. And I don't know if 81 million actual people voted for you, you dipshit, but enough were stupid enough to think that was a good idea, right? Giving the car keys to the guy that can't pass the vision test at the DMV. That's what, the, that's what you did. That's what a Biden voter did because of their feels, Because I'm sorry, most people are cowards and spectators and for them to get involved and actually make a difficult decision is likely something they'll never be able to do and never have been able to do. So thanks to them. Well, now we actually have some polls coming out and we'll talk about those first because we knew there'd be some fallout for Biden. Even with the protection he's had for so long from the press, the Afghanistan crisis is completely out of bounds, even for most of the leftist media. And if you look at Politico right now, it shows they just published something this morning. Ah, It was a couple days ago, but this is on the NBC CBS news polls, right? These are very friendly Democrat polls. And it says basically Joe Biden's honeymoon with the American people is over. Now, this honeymoon was going to end. It always does end for a president, but I think it would have ended before Biden's first year because of his issues, right? His cognitive issues, his complete... Turn to the left. I mean, outside of the leftist universe, where he's gone, which is really the people who run him. You know, the the border crisis, murder rates increasing, crime increasing, inflation, stagnation, and job growth—or at least people actually going back to work—and then of course COVID is still hanging around. It's still depressing people, and so Biden's out there, really not being, not doing anything right on any of those issues, and then boom, he fucks up Afghanistan. So the polls are making him pay. They're going to get worse because things aren't getting better overseas. And what's happening is this is an opportunity for Biden's critics, i.e. me, those of us who hate him and hate everything he's ever stood for as a total stuffed shirt for 46 years in Washington. We're jumping on this. We're not letting this go to waste. It's sad what's happening to the people in Afghanistan, but it's a big see I fucking told you so moment to the idiots that voted for this guy. And now we have to come after him because people need to learn their lesson. And I think Democrats are freaking out right now because their plan was likely only to get him past the 2022 midterms. I can't see there was any way they were interested in him running for president again. And I don't think they realistically deep down thought he could get through the entire four-year term. I mean, just look at him. Reality sets in. They can, they can say what they want, about how sassy he and Kamala are, how energetic he is, how hard it is to keep up with him, right, when he plays with his dogs and shit like that. We know it's a lie. The people that support him know it's a lie. And they know they just need a president, a sitting Democrat president with decent approval to help them at least keep what they have in the midterms in 2022. Well, that is at risk now, to say the least. He's in deep shit, and so are the Democrats, and they know it. Right? I mean, you now have a complete meltdown. You have the worst possible foreign policies, policy scenario you could have, right? I mean, think about it. You have a war you just lost. You failed not only to get out of that country effectively, but the enemy moved in and has taken thousands of Americans hostage. I mean, that's essentially what we have here. We have a hostage situation. And where we have a State Department and a Department of Defense that admits to the world, that they don't know how to get these people out. They don't exactly say it, but now you have Psaki, Raggedy Ann, the press secretary, telling uh, Peter Ducey, who's a fucking national treasure, that guy of Fox News, that Americans aren't stranded. And she about lost her mind when he used that term, yet you see a press release from the Pentagon talking about how they plan to rescue, and I use the word, stranded. They actually are... again, another contradiction. They keep contradicting themselves, which is the worst thing you can do when you're in power, other than being a total hypocrite, which is where the Democrats are on COVID. But um, it's incredible. Psaki gets all ruffled on this, but it's the right term. People are stranded. Anytime you hear directly from them, the ones in Afghanistan, outside of Kabul airport, who get word out to the press, to us in America, we hear that they cannot get to the airport safely. Right now, Biden has asked, his administration is working with an elite Taliban unit who are all decked out in U.S. gear. I mean, their fatigues, their rifles, everything are from us, right? They were acquired, stolen by this unit. They are now helping with security. So we are now negotiating with a terrorist regime. Does that concepts sound a little familiar, right? The U.S. never negotiates with terrorists. That is our stance. We don't negotiate with them. That's precisely what's happening right now. We have the White House, right? The President of the United States, his staff, his cabinet, right? The Secretary of State and the State Department are negotiating and working with the Taliban because they've been given no choice. They gave themselves no choice, when you take your military out without evacuating your civilians and your allies. This is not rocket science, right? I don't. You don't have to go to Air War College to know that is a massive mistake. It's something you just don't do. And so what's happening is you've got independents now being polled that are turning on Biden. I mean, you've got one poll had 16% of the black voters who were polled. 16% say they regretted their vote. That's a scary statistic for any sitting president because any of those individuals are a two-vote turn, right? Not voting for you and voting for the other guy. So that that number's huge, right? That is a big one. And you have a disapproval rating if you look at real clear politics, right? That's the average of all the polls. You can see it as a, essentially a you know, a dot diagram graph moving from left to right and it is declining big time and you have what is the average of approval and disapproval, right? And on top, typically in blue is the approval readings and it looks sort of like an EKG and then also there's the red bottom disapproval. Well, right now the approval's declining going straight at the inclining red disapproval, right? So he's upside down. He's going the wrong direction in both ways, and that's with Republicans, Democrats, and independents. Again, not the 40% that would vote for him if he was videoed killing a dog, right? They're going to do that. That's the left. They have no principles, no moral standing. They don't care. It's all about power, and for the regular folk on the left, it's all about being right on the Internet. Otherwise, they're not changing their vote. But there's an opportunity to capitalize on this, right? I mean, the critics... Of Joe Biden are doing it. I believe the Republican Party is going to move on this when the time is right. You see a lot of people on social media screaming, where are the Republicans? It would look pretty cheap and petty right now if they stood out in front of a Capitol building, the senators, the congressmen talking about what needs to happen and calling for resignations fervently yet. Those calls are bubbling up. At this point, if things don't change for the worse, which I sincerely hope they don't. I don't see Biden resigning. The shocking and I think most damning thing for him long term is that we're in this two week range. It's a known crisis. It's a disaster with no solution, no clear solution, and nobody on his cabinet has resigned. That is a sad, um, sad state of affairs. I mean, you have essentially a president in an administration that does not and will not admit they made a mistake because that's what, that's what anybody resigning on his cabinet would be. It would be one of my guys who I'm responsible for made a huge fucking error and they are so arrogant. They are so concerned politically with what's going on. Nothing else. They don't care about American lives. They don't care about your security or my security and the fact that they've created a terrorist caliphate now, they don't care that an Afghan on the no-fly list made his way on one of these evacuation flights to the UK. So that's already happened. That's one we know about, right? Somebody who they thought could be a terrorist got a free flight into the UK and almost made it and made his way to the neighborhoods in London where no one goes, especially the police that actually have Sharia law centers. Look it up. They're still there. That cat almost made it. Who made it that they didn't catch? And you think about it, you're starting to see these statistics, thousands evacuated. Yeah, barely any, if none of them are Americans. I mean, we're talking maybe a few hundred, maybe a thousand. So they're, they're rolling out Afghans, finding places for them to stay. The ones who were able to squeeze through the gate and somehow make it to the airport while the Americans are fearing for their lives. And guess what's looming? We are now one week away to the day from the deadline for the U.S. to be out of Afghanistan. And the Taliban is not budging on that. And they're saying and they're threatening that there will be consequences if we are still there come next Tuesday. I believe them. And it's not like they're cooperating right now. They're still making it nearly impossible for Americans to get to the airport. So what in the hell happens next Wednesday, eight days from now? Because the Taliban is telling the world there will be consequences, they have to follow through. They have to. And you have a leaked story. This was from CNN that the current director of the CIA went to Afghanistan for a secret meeting that's now been leaked to meet with the leader of the Taliban. Now he's negotiating with the terrorists. It's incredible. They have all the leverage. That's the scary thing here. That's the emasculating thing here. That's why we look so weak in front of the world and the g7 the world the leaders of the strongest largest nations in the country are meeting over this and they've already spoken out and hammered joe biden and boris Johnson's leading this meeting right you got you got the prime minister of the united kingdom right our best and greatest strongest ally convening this meeting and getting people together to figure out what the hell they're going to do not the president of the united states okay we need somebody who leads a country that we smoked in a revolution. God love you from the UK, but I'm sorry. It is embarrassing for us Americans that we are not, our president is not leading a meeting to solve a problem that we caused. And my sincerest apologies to you from the UK and, and really anyone from all over the world that we failed at a, as our role as leaders of freedom on this planet, protectors of democracy, the world's superpower, which in most cases up until recently, I believe the world was better with us as the number one superpower. But this all started with people like Barack Obama who don't think that, who want to be globalists, who want us all to be citizens of the world. I'm citizen of only one place, and that's the United States of America. I'm a human being, I'm a compassionate one, and I want to help others, but I'm not a global citizen. Refuse that term any chance you get because it's dangerous And it's all based in Marxism, communism, right? This whole collective crap, don't buy it. That's what they're pushing. That's what this uh, stimulus slash infrastructure bill is all about. So yeah, the CIA and the Taliban leader have met. That's fantastic, right? Kirby, who's the spokesperson for the Pentagon is saying that there is no change to the August 31st withdrawal deadline. There's no way that's true. He's just buying time. He knows he can get away with saying that for a few more days. Our troops are going to be there after the 31st. I hope so, because if they are not, then we have uh, serious, serious problems for our people behind enemy lines in Afghanistan, right? I mean, good God, um, you know, there was there, there's no there's no haven for them. I mean, if our military pulls out on August 31st, those who have not made it out are as good as dead. And I'm only talking about American citizens, not counting all the translators, interpreters, and people that supported us and stuck their neck out, to say the least, being part of the alliance over there because they're hunting them too. They're hunting them worse, right? Those are Afghanis who are seen as traitors, and there is no good end for them if they're left behind. And let's be real, there's no way we're getting everybody out anytime soon. This is going to be a trickling, slow, painful mission because it's, it's purely reactive. There was no plan for this, right? They just chose not to do it in the order with which they're doing it. Military went out, left the civilians behind, complete reverse order. And so although the Pentagon, Kirby is saying there's no plan to change that withdrawal deadline, uh, they're also saying there's no question Taliban will help complete evacuation. Months ago, plan was to keep 650 U.S. troops at U.S. Embassy in Kabul. Well, if that was the plan a month ago, what happened two weeks ago? Because I can guarantee you, when those chicken shits at the Embassy in Kabul were burning documents when the Taliban wasn't within fucking 20 miles, they weren't protected by 650 troops, right? I mean, they could have just left with that information. The, 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 the enemy wasn't at the door. This wasn't the overthrow of the israeli embassy in tehran iran all right back in the 70s this is different okay in in these these cowards this is what our state department is now right these are the people that are led by a woman who is making public statements doing press releases admonishing the taliban and telling them they need to be good citizens of the world essentially so that's how out of touch they are They're now admitting they have no concept of what's happening on the ground. They have no good intel. They don't have sources anymore. No one's talking to our agents over there, right? I mean, the CIA, who is the covert wing of the State Department, does not have anyone on the ground. There are no protected assets. The worst job on the planet right now would be to be an informant for the CIA in Afghanistan. There's nothing we can do that would make it worth the risk to that person or their family. And so it's, uh, it's a total nightmare. Um, as of 45 minutes ago, the Pentagon said it will take several days for U.S. forces to leave Afghanistan ahead of the 31st deadline. Now he refused, this is Kirby again, to offer specifics. The Taliban said today the deadline will not be extended. We are aiming toward the end of the month for withdrawal to be complete, Kirby says. So he's going from saying deadline to aiming. That language is very different. Right. We're all smart enough to know that he's trying to get a statement out there that appeases the Taliban saying August 31st is still the deadline is them playing the game with the Taliban or letting the Taliban basically play them in the game. Right. Because if we came out right now and said August 31st is not the deadline, well, now the Taliban has a reason to do something now. Right. We're we're going to put people in more danger. So we have to do something to keep them happy in the next few days. but you have fo- I mean something's got something has to change and I mean overnight with regard to the security of the roads and entry into the airport in Kabul. And keep in mind that we're not in a vacuum here, right? The situation at that location, outside of that airport and throughout the country is going to get worse and worse, but specifically outside of that airport, you have mobs and mobs, thousands of people converging, hoping they've seen pictures of Afghanis getting out on these flights, even one that's, not on, that's on the no-fly zone. So these desperate citizens of Afghanistan who don't want to go back to living under Taliban terrorist rule are coming to the airport where there are no resources for them, right? I mean, this is a humanitarian crisis in the making, and those places become more and more dangerous for anyone to go, let alone Americans. So as time goes by, I don't know if the path to the airport, the path to an actual evacuation for an American in Afghanistan is going to materialize. If it's not there today, what is going to happen to make it there tomorrow? All we can do is pray. I don't think anyone leading our current military is capable of making the decision they need to, to get these people out. To date, there is no information about an actual mission of U.S. service members of U.S. military leaving the airport to rescue Americans whilst countries like Germany, France, the United Kingdom, and I think others have left the airport on missions to go grab their people. You have Germany asking for Russia's help. So this is a wonderful opportunity for communists to come in and look like the hero. It's like China, after causing the pandemic, shipping millions of masks around the world and offering free vaccinations, right? These are masters of propaganda. They don't care how things started. They know that a weak mind is a feeble mind, is a easy to manipulate mind. And so if you have something that they can say they're doing well and it's more recent than the tragedy they caused, they know they can shape people. So Russia, Putin, is going to move in on this. He's going to be all over it and look like a savior in the region, right? And the irony of the premier of Russia being somehow a savior to a country that Brutalized and attacked the same country, Afghanistan. When he was a member of the KGB, is an irony that's too, too much to even really discuss. I mean, just think about it. Vladimir Putin is going to be seen as a hero to not only you know, Angela Merkel of Germany, but to the world, as he probably will bring in air missions over the next few days to get people out. God knows where they're going to bring them. Uh, if I if I'm from Afghanistan and I'm getting a ride out, I will try not to get on the Russian plane. But it's better than living under the Taliban, especially if you're a woman, my God. So we'll be we'll be following that. Uh, that update from the Pentagon is as of this morning. It was 39 minutes ago that Kirby came out and gave a press conference. And, um, you know, he's telling people they're making progress every day, getting Americans out. But... Um, You know, he closes with the special immigrant visa application applications and vulnerable Afghans. I mean, they've there are plenty more Afghans that have been airlifted out than Americans, and there's still no number, no number specifically of Americans who've been exfiltrated. But really, more importantly, how many are left behind? How many are stranded? Jen Psaki, that is the proper word. Um, Shifting to covid, I found this story a bit horrifying, probably more annoying. Palm Beach County, Florida, dozens of South Florida doctors staged a ceremonial walkout on Monday to protest the number of unvaccinated COVID-19 patients flooding their hospital in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. You should see these fucking pigs in the press conference video I'm looking at now. I mean, it's just disgusting. These arrogant, just trash human beings who supposedly are beholden to the Hippocratic oath. First, do no harm. That's how it starts. Just before sunrise, this was yesterday morning, about 75 doctors stepped outside their hospitals and offices temporarily, right? Ceremonially, ceremonially in heroic leftist fashion to stand together and encourage the community to get vaccinated. Okay, you pricks. If you want to do that, go ahead and encourage us to get vaccinated. Okay, you can do that. You're physicians. It's within your right. You really should be the only ones, not the nurses standing behind, not the orderlies, right? But at least somebody talking right now has an MD next to her name. Okay, now she's enjoying the condescending opportunity to lecture the world. And she got a lot of press out of this. But she said, we're exhausted. Bitch, so am I. We're all working hard. All right. You picked a job. You picked a profession. Quit whining about it. You're like a teacher who's complaining about working extra hours. Do they do that during their two and a half months off during the summer? Again, my mom was a teacher, so don't get bent. We are exhausted. Our patience and resources are running low and we need your help. Yeah, I get it, doc, right? The vaccine probably would help these people. What do you want us to do? You want Palm Beach County sheriffs to go out, put a gun to their head and force them Do you want it to start looking like Australia? We'll talk about that in a second. Real scary what I learned about Australia last night on Tucker. Had no idea what they did in 2016 with their laws protecting protests. What did they do in 2016? Yeah, they got rid of those laws. You have no protection as a protester, as someone protesting the government or anything. No protection whatsoever in Australia, a country with 25 million people. But now these doctors walk out, right? I mean, they're all standing there chatting each other up, right? Holding each other's hands, doing this press conference, taking advantage of a world that is a bit in chaos. While Americans are stranded and afraid of death in Afghanistan, these scumbags decide they're going to go out on the lawn and do a little press conference saying we're tired. Um, Yeah, I'm sorry a lot of unvaccinated people need your help, but it's disgusting that you would treat them any differently. You're in the wrong country for that okay, you want to treat people differently based on their decisions, you want to force the hands of your patients, go fucking practice in China, okay, go elsewhere, hey, Australia seems like they're going your way, but I'm embarrassed that one member of any press, now this is Palm Beach County, extreme, extreme leftist fort in a red state that is Florida, okay, Palm Beach County is is a haven for this nonsense. So it's not an indication of where our medical heroes, and I do I do still use that term for the most part, all right? If you're in one of these locations that is overrun and they are happening out there, not as much as the media would like you to say, but it doesn't matter when you're working in a hospital and you're slammed and you're, you're tired and you're dealing with patients that probably, in most cases, and I'm not just talking about the vaccine, who could and should have made better health decisions nutrition, and otherwise with their lives, it can get irritating when they need hospitalization and they need intensive care more so because they just didn't take care of themselves. I'm sorry, it is. When you have, and I've, I've seen it, I've talked to people and they talk about, you know, dealing with patients that are five, 600 pounds, and it's not because they have a thyroid problem, it's because they have a thigh problem, okay? They eat too much, They've never addressed it. They don't take care of themselves. And they have all kinds of what they say are comorbidities, right? All these issues that make just about anything more difficult, let alone treating COVID. Oh, and then they smoke and they do these other things. It can be annoying. These are human beings working in these hospitals. But at the same time, that's not their job to make decisions based on that patient's decisions. Their job, per what they're sworn to do, per their profession, or as they're always telling you when they've had some wine and want to flex at a party, they're calling right? It is to take care of people and not discriminate, not be a fucking bigot because of someone's race, color, religion, or vaccine status, okay? That's what they're doing, they're being bigots. And they came out in a press conference, 75 of them, in a symbolic walkout. Is there nothing more disgusting in the times we're facing right now than fucking symbolism? Does anyone, is there any symbolism anyone really gives a shit about right now? Symbolism sucks right now, right? Real shit's what we want. Symbolic walks to do anything, symbolic raising of the flag, symbolic taking of a fucking knee, symbolic anything is gross. It's annoying, and it's not doing what you think it's going to do. It's not pushing your agenda. It's not making people say, oh, these doctors are tired, they're having a fit, and they want to let us know that we're stupid. Well, now I'm going to go get the vaccine. Doctors, nurses orderlies, hospital staff, you are shitty salespeople. You're shitty business people. So I don't for once believe that you give a fucking a damn about the unvaccinated. I really don't. You're just pissed you have to work hard. Well, join the club. Those of us who are still working are burning the midnight oil. You think I do this fucking show and get paid? Do you think I got a shit ton of time on my hands and I just do this for fun? No, we're all working our ass off. Okay. You want a cookie? Shut up. And so, yeah, they're, they're doing symbolism now in Palm Beach. That is annoying. And it's been ripped by most people, right, other than the mealy mouth leftist press of Palm Beach. They're getting hammered for that, and they should, okay? Now, jumping over to home, to the West, to California, it's really fun if you go Google. Well, it's fun for us because it's just typical. But Larry Elder is the front runner for Republicans in the recall. Sorry, I need a drink there. Um, So how does the recall work? I mean, really, Gavin Newsom's in trouble. All you have to do is recall him. And if he's recalled that the votes favor a recall, right? Then whoever has the most write-ins for the replacement gets it. Right now, Larry Elder is the front runner. And therefore, as any Republican front runner in the modern era, is going to experience, he is being called a racist and a white supremacist. Larry Elder, the sage from South Central, the fantastic conservative radio host who happens to be black, is a leader of white supremacy. They have the same playbook, folks. They can't help themselves. Okay. And of course, the New York Times, as of this morning, how did Larry Elder become a front runner in the California conservative or in the the California's governor race? Mr. Elder, a conservative radio host who paints himself as the native son of a simpler and safer California, which he fucking is, as am I, has drawn criticism from Democrats and Republicans alike. They love that, right? We're not being partisan. We're criticizing him because Democrats and Republicans alike. Yeah, the Republicans running against him are being critical of him. It's an election, and so they're attacking his experience, which is what I would do if I was a seasoned political asshole in California, I would definitely use the fact that the guy was a radio host against him. It's what you're supposed to do if you want to win. Now, of course, he's been a successful, extremely uh, well-liked conservative in California who has dared to leave the plantation. A black man who is a conservative. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you look like what gender you are, how you identify as a conservative. You have to walk in the shoes of a black conservative to know what sucks is, what it sucks to be a black conservative. There's nothing like it politically on this planet. They get destroyed. And for those of you who go through that, I am sorry, and we, your fellow conservatives, should do a lot more to stand up for you. And I'm hoping this recall is a big uh, planting of the flag for black conservatives, and the Democrats know it. They are freaking out, right? They are doing everything they can. It is all hands on deck, political operatives, journalists alike, to not only stop the recall first, but it's more become about stopping Larry Elder. So what they're doing, they're running two operations, right, in parallel. You got fighting the recall, doing all the scare tactics, trying to somehow paint Gavin Newsom as the right choice moving forward and of course attacking the recall process right saying it's wrong it should be changed it's not the first time they did it with you know they've done this they've complained about this when Gray Davis was recalled and because Gray Davis was recalled they know it's real they know it can happen so they're they're running that campaign at the same time they have laser focused on Larry Elder as public enemy number 1 Kind of as a backup, like God forbid, if we do lose this, if Newsom's recalled, it's our worst nightmare. If a black conservative, who can actually bring people together, is elected as governor, and so he's um, he's getting hammered, he's in a dead heat amongst likely voters right now, and that's key. I mean, you've got you've got a um, a serious problem if you're a Democrat in California. I mean, this I don't. I still don't, I wouldn't bet on seeing California as a long-term red state ever in my life. I don't see that happening. But the Democrats can lose it for a little bit. They really could if the governor of California is a black conservative. I mean, maybe he can make inroads with the black community if he's elected and has time to do it. This is not going to be easy to do overnight. But the problem the Democrats have is fatigue, turnout fatigue. That's really what they're most scared of. It's not just Larry Elder, right? What will lead to Larry Elder is poor Democrat turnout, right? In an energized right wing who wants to recall Gavin Newsom and will write in just about anybody. But right now, if I'm a conservative and I'm going to show up for the recall and I'm not exactly sure who I'm going to write in, if I see the New York Times, not the LA Times, the New York Times, taking the time to write editorials and opinion pieces bashing a guy who happens to be a black conservative, that might sway me in his direction. Again, they never learn, folks, right? Miss Sean Hubler is not somebody who is accustomed to learning from the mistakes of the past. She's a journalist. They don't do that, right? They do the same thing. I don't think there's a more cliche profession than journalism on this planet, They're predictable, at least. And so we know what they're going to do. We know they will identify their greatest threat by smearing that person. And they have done so. It is Larry Elder, right? Assuming Gavin Newsom is recalled, which is a massive assumption, right? Let's cross that bridge when we get there in three weeks. It's worth a prayer. But, of course, they're going to write these opinion pieces and say, Democrats call him the agent of a far-right power grab. Now, that is code for white supremacy. She's not going to come out and say it in the New York Times, She doesn't need to, okay? She's got blue checks on Twitter, right? And smaller, less reputable papers, which is an oxymoron. But she has those um, doing the bidding for her as far as the white supremacism term. But saying he's an all-out agent for a far-right power grab is the same thing. To follow it, she says, Republican rivals say he is an inexperienced, debate-dodging opportunist. Orrin Heatley, the retired sheriff sergeant who is the recall's lead proponent, said he and his fellow activists were voting for someone else. Hey man, honestly, I'd love Larry Elder to win. That's That's clear. But you know what? If Larry Elder is controversial in the eyes of some Republican voters and that energizes them to vote recall, but put someone else in and that might be you, that's fine. I mean... I'd be, I'd be open for the discussion. I mean, there's there's Kevin Falconer, the former mayor of San Diego. Caitlyn Jenner's out there. She's not going to win. Um, but Falconer apparently has some juice. I've read some things about Falconer. He'd be great. I mean, we're talking about Gavin Newsom here. It's not a huge standard. But it does matter who replaces him if he's recalled. And so um, it's, you know, it's one of those smear campaigns. And they've got an ex-girlfriend of Larry's, Larry Elders from 2015, saying they were having a conversation and he checked a gun to see it was loaded. So they've dug out Alexandra Daytig, same playbook, same cliche, trying to smear him. And of course, they're going to go after women voters, especially if Larry's doing well with women voters. And so, um, you know, the recall is getting closer and closer. I mentioned yesterday that I talk about it, and so that's why I'm bringing it up now. It is clear that there is panic in the Democrat disco right? And, and I love it. I love it. Let's capitalize on it. Let's jam a stake through their hearts and put them down for good here politically, okay? It's okay to hate them. They're disgusting people, right? And I heard a great statement last night that Americans will, will tolerate inconvenience, not hypocrisy. And Tucker Carlson mentioned a story, and we'll start our close with that. He talked about the Spanish flu, right? In the early 20th century, and how there were mask mandates and in San Francisco so ironic that there would actually be law enforcement officers shooting and killing people that were not adhering to mask and other Spanish flu pandemic guidelines and it was working there was enough fear right imagine without any kind of social media and you might read the paper twice a week what you could be led to believe because we know that the press was on board. Well, somebody bravely published a picture, I believe it was in the San Francisco Chronicle, of a boxing match, right? So in the middle of a pandemic, this giant photo at a boxing match with political elites, with wealthy elites attending and not one mask being worn, not a one. And there are pictures from other sporting events where everyone's wearing masks, it's mandatory black and whites. It's like a throwback. It's really eerie now to see it nowadays. But this picture changed everything. This stamp of hypocrisy, it it trickled out to the world, out to the rest of the country and showed that the elite, the ruling class were not upholding the laws or frankly, the mandates, because there was no legislation on this. They were not upholding the mandates that they enforced upon their people. And everything changed in a second they stopped and they lost the people and the masks were gone. We're seeing it now. I Again, I got vaccinated. I think you should, but that's my opinion. I'm not a doctor. Don't do it if you don't want to. I'm with Trump on this. But as far as masks go, I don't believe anything I've read. Everyone wears different masks. They're saying cloth masks are nearly useless. Very few people have N95 masks. And even then those don't fit most of the time. Well, we're seeing the school battle. We're seeing all this go down. And at the same time, Nancy Pelosi has this massive fundraiser at a Napa Valley winery just this last Saturday, some Brave Soul leaked video, the help, the serfs, right, all the servant class people, because that's how they consider them, had masks on while all the elite white people sitting down and standing as Nancy Pelosi did to address the group were not wearing a mask. That image is on fire. It lines right up with Gavin Newsom, who happens to be your fucking nephew, when he had that dinner at the French Laundry during the height of the pandemic last year. They're the same people. They're all the same. Don't let them fool you. Nancy Pelosi, yes, is probably the worst, right? She's a goddamn demon, and she doesn't care. She doesn't care, right? She eats ice cream that costs like $60 a gallon. Remember that one from last year? She's an effete liberal snob, probably a racist, okay? That's how they are, and you just the image of minorities with masks on, serving white people while they sit and eat, is the ultimate hypocrisy from someone who is the Speaker of the House of the party of tolerance and inclusion. Fuck you, lady. We got you. All right. Stay tuned for more. Um, it's early in the day. I might do another show if things break open. I'd love for something, something positive to come up. We know it won't be because anything Joe Biden and his staff do, but. It'd be great to feel good about being an American again, because right now it kind of sucks, doesn't it? It will. It's going to feel better. We're going to get back to it. Trust in Donald Trump. Trust in the Republicans that believe in MAGA ideology, as I do, and we're going to be okay. Have a great day, and God bless.